Well, good morning, Faith Fellowship. How wonderful it is uh, to be with you. And I know while we aren't together in, in person, uh, I know we can come together online here and uh, just celebrate uh, the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I just want to thank Jess and the team there for a great time of worship uh, of the words of Christmas, uh, leading us into reflecting uh, and thinking about uh, the birth of our Savior. You know, for over the last five weeks, uh, we've been looking at the themes of Advent. We've been looking at hope, which came into the world. We've reflected on love, a love that sent Jesus to this world. We looked at joy, we looked at peace, and we looked at light, all reflecting various imagery of Jesus coming into this world. You know, I love the themes of Advent, of this baby coming into this world to bring all those themes into our lives. You know, if you remember back uh, to my message on hope, I talked about how these messages are actually kind of a lead-in uh, to our series in 2023, The Life of Christ. Uh, and actually today, this Christmas message uh, will be part maybe of that introduction as well as we jump into a wonderful series of going through the life of Christ. Uh, our, our text for today is going to come out of the book of 1 John, and we're going to look at chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 4. Uh, but before we get there, uh, let me go ahead and pray for our time this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for an opportunity uh, to gather online together as a church family. We ask that you would bless this time together as we hear from your word. Lord, bless the, the, the time and the fellowship that we get to have with friends and family this Christmas day. And may we most of all just remember uh, what it's all about. And it's the coming of your son, Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if you ever want to make a group of people feel uncomfortable, I think you can just mention the name of Jesus and just kind of see how people react when that name gets mentioned. People have various opinions and ideas about who Jesus was, who he is, what he did, what he didn't do, uh, and various questions uh, about his life. And today, I think as we look in this passage of 1 John, we're going to see John trying to answer maybe some doubts uh, that people were having or, or questions that people were having about Jesus. So let's go ahead and, and turn to our passage for today. Follow along as I read here from 1 John 1 through 4. It says this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testified to it, and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. It's a lot of words. Uh, it's a mouthful to read all those things. And in Greek, it's pretty crazy because it's actually one long sentence, which I know seems crazy, uh, these four verses, but that's what it is in the Greek. But 
Let's get into our passage for today. So John begins with the phrase, that which was from the beginning. Now I know what you're thinking. That phrase probably sounds similar to other passages of scripture, right? Think about it. In Genesis 1, it says, in the beginning, as it begins to tell us the creation account of all that God did those seven days of creation. Or maybe it reminded you of John's gospel, right? In the beginning was the good, the word. Correct. I heard you. In the beginning was the word. All those things laying out various beginnings of scripture. The beginning of creation. And in John's gospel, the case that Jesus really didn't have a beginning, that he's always existed. He's always been by God's side. So what we see here, though, in 1 John, uh, I think as he's talking about the beginning, and as we'll see in this passage, what I think John is trying to get to is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Uh, he's going to be answering in doubts that people have about Jesus. And I think what he's saying is here is, is let's, let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to the beginning of Jesus' ministry when me, being John, and the other disciples were, were side by side with Jesus. Now let's go back and see all that Jesus did. So he goes from there, and he's going to go into a very detailed account of the things that they experienced with Jesus' ministry. He says this as he continues. He says, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. John, in writing about Jesus, says that he and the other apostles have heard, seen, looked upon, and touched Jesus while he was on this earth. So what did they hear? Uh, the disciples, think about it. They heard the Sermon on the Mount. They heard the parables. They heard the other just numerous teachings of Jesus. John is saying, look, you can trust me. I was with him. I sat by him for the Sermon on the Mount. I was with him as he was teaching in this setting. He says, you can trust me because I've heard these things straight from the source. But not only did they hear, but they also watched. John says they had seen with their eyes. And not just a, a quick glance. That, that they saw and, and looked upon Jesus. They watched him and everything that he did. Think about it. They saw him serving the needy. And then they saw the healings that he performed. They saw how he interacted with people, the, the religious leaders, all these different interactions that they saw Jesus having. You know, I, I think about one of the most amazing passages of Scripture. It is John 21, 25, where John, as he's testifying about the things of Jesus, says this. He says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Is that crazy? I mean, in the Gospels, we have a ton of stuff that Jesus did. But here John is saying, look, I couldn't even write all of it. In fact, all the books in the world wouldn't have enough space to contain all that Jesus did while he was here. I mean, just think of all the things that they saw that we don't even know about. So, they heard, they saw, and then they touched. 
They touched and, and saw that Jesus was real. Now, the obvious example of this is Thomas, right? Uh, you, you think back to doubting Thomas, kind of gets that bad rap, saying, look, I won't believe that he has risen from the dead unless I can see the scars, touch his hands, and, and then I will believe. And we see in Scripture that that is revealed to him. But remember, also, John had a, a little smaller scale interaction with Jesus with touching him. Remember where Jesus and the disciples were in the upper room? Where is John during the Last Supper? We are told that he is reclining right next to Jesus. In fact, it seems like from what Scripture says that he is actually maybe leaning on Jesus during that event. So he says, we have been this close to Jesus. The things that we say are trustworthy. We heard, we saw, we touched Jesus. See, this is important because during this time, a, a lot of people are beginning to spread false teachings about Jesus. As the early church was growing, uh, different things were happening and false teachings were arising. And at the time of this letter, one of the big things were the Gnostics. One teaching that they had was that Jesus was only a man. He was the true son of Joseph and Mary, but he was not God when he was born. See, they believed that when Jesus was baptized, that's when Christ, the Divine Spirit, came upon Jesus, the man Jesus. And that Spirit was upon Jesus his whole life, but left him when he was on the cross. This group is often called Cyrenthian Gnostics. This belief can still even be seen today in many of the Christian scientists and, and other cults of today. Today, it often takes another name of adoptionism. God the Father adopted the man Jesus as his son. Another group of Gnostics were the Docetisms. The foundation of Gnostic philosophy was that all physical matter, everything that we can see and touch, was evil. And all things spiritual were good. Therefore, it was unthinkable that God, the, the, a good spirit, would take on human flesh because it was evil. So they believed that Jesus was actually kind of like a, a ghost or a phantom. He was just kind of, he seemed to possess a physical body, but it was more of an illusion. They believed that you could see and look upon him, but if you actually went to touch him, it would be like grabbing air or like grabbing kind of smoke. It would just kind of go through your hands and you wouldn't actually touch Jesus. So you can see that John, in writing this, uses very specific language to say, don't believe these things that are being said. Don't listen to these false teachers. He says, listen to the things that I am telling you. I am an eyewitness to these things about Jesus. And just as it was then, today, still many people have many different ideas about who Jesus is, who he was, and the things that he did while he walked this earth. And as I was researching a lot of these things, uh, I found a survey uh, from 2015 that the, the Christian group Barna put out about Jesus. It was a survey that they called, What Do Americans Believe About Jesus? Five Popular Beliefs. 
and I want to share just some of the things with you today so that you can kind of get an idea of what is out there and what people think about Christ. In this survey, they had over 2,000 responses. Now the first slide is going to ask people uh, about the majority of Americans thinking that, yes, there was a real man, Jesus, who walked this earth. And if you look at this slide, you'll see that it says that 92% believe that a real person named Jesus actually lived and walked this earth. Now it breaks it down by generations. So you'll, you'll see a different percentage among each generation on the screen uh, as the, the, the percentage actually gets smaller as the younger generations answered this question. But you'll still see that 87% of millennials agree that Jesus actually lived. So Americans are very likely to believe, yes, a man named Jesus walked this earth. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, it's somewhat, I guess, encouraging at least to see that number. But let's think back to those early false teachings that are still alive. Jesus, just a man who walked this earth, and we'll see that with this next question of the survey. It's going to show us how many actually believe that Jesus was God. And we'll see here on this slide that most adults, not quite 6 in 10, but 56% believe Jesus was God, while about one quarter say he was only a religious or a spiritual leader like Muhammad or Buddha. And then there's kind of always that 18% that's just like, eh, uh, I'm not really sure what to think about Jesus. And again, in the younger generations, millennials will have fewer and fewer answers with only 48% believing Jesus was God. And then even 35% young adults say that he was just a religious teacher or spiritual leader. And again, 17% are just like, eh, I don't really know. But in the older generations, you'll see it more, a little more common uh, in the belief uh, that Jesus was divine and that Jesus was God. So in the first slide, we, we saw 92%. Yes, Jesus was real. He walked this earth. But then we see only 56% saying that, yeah, he was, is God. So that's quite a dramatic drop in this study. So we will see that as we study the life of Christ. We're going to see people asking, is this guy God? Is he really true in what these things are saying? And we're going to see that throughout the Gospels. And we're going to try and understand these questions and realize what does, what was Jesus offering in his time here on this earth? Now, I want to show you real quickly an, another survey that was done in 2021, and this one was more directed toward teens. In fact, this was a global study of 24,000 teens from all over the world done in 2021. This slide asked the question, it says, which of the following do you personally believe about Jesus? 46% said he offers hope. 38% says he is trustworthy. So why do I bring all this information up? Because as I said, in our Life of Christ series, we're going to examine 
people having these same questions. We're going to see what Jesus did in response. We're going to see Jesus teaching the people, calling his disciples, preparing his disciples, performing miracles. We will see the crowds of people that would gather around him. Some would stay. Some would stay and learn from him. Others would leave and say, the things that you are saying are just too hard. But you see, to get all these answers to these questions, we need to go to the best source that is available. And when the best source, when it comes to Jesus, is Scripture. And that's what John is telling us here. John is saying that these events that we write about, we were eyewitnesses to. At the beginning of Acts, remember, uh, as Jesus uh, descend, goes, ascends uh, back into heaven, the disciples knew that they need to replace Judas, who, who remember, had killed himself uh, after uh, selling out Jesus to the Jewish leaders. But they had very specific requirements for somebody who could be named an apostle. The replacement needed to have been with Jesus from his baptism until the day he was taken back to heaven. He needed to be an eyewitness to be an apostle. In the courtroom setting, think about it. What is the most important piece of evidence you could have against somebody? The eyewitness accounts. People who saw the crime that was committed. Or maybe even people who heard the guy talking about the crimes they had committed. Eyewitnesses can make all the difference. I, I think back to, to, to 1 Corinthians. When, when Paul is writing about the resurrection to them, and what does he say to them? If they're doubting the resurrection, if you're wondering, did Jesus really come back from the dead? He's going to say, look, there are over 500 people who saw Jesus walking. Many of them are still alive today. Go talk with them and they'll tell you, look, dude, I saw Jesus. Without a doubt, I saw him walking this earth after he had died. It is proof. I witnesses. So John in this section says, Trust me and the other apostles. We have seen Jesus Christ. And as he continues in this, he says, Concerning the word of life, the life that was made manifest in verse 2. He says, We have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. John says the word of life. The life was made manifest. This goes back to his gospel, right? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. This Word has been revealed, has been made manifest in Christ Jesus. The life which was invisible to man has been made known through Jesus Christ. The Messiah left heaven and came to earth and lived for 33 years so that we would have an understanding of the life that he can bring to us. John mentions three more things about that life that Christ lived. Again, he says him and the other disciples saw it, but now he's going to add, we testify and proclaim the eternal life. Testify. There's another word we would use in a courtroom setting, right? And John is an eyewitness who testifies about the things that he saw. The word of life, who is Christ Jesus. Then he goes further and says that they proclaim Speak loud, proclaim 
this life, but not just any life, eternal life. Christ Jesus came to bring eternal life. For God so loved the world that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Hear the words from Paul in 1 Timothy as he is writing in chapter 1, verse 15. He says, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world, into the world, that's Christmas, to save sinners. Christ came as a baby to grow and to save sinners so that we would have eternal life. It's an amazing truth. It's the truth that John testifies, that proclaims this truth in Jesus Christ. They couldn't help but speak of it. All they did was speak about Christ. Remember in Acts chapter 4, the, the religious leaders have Peter and John with them, and they're saying, look, we want you to stop teaching in the name of Christ. Stop saying the name of Jesus over and over. Just, just stop. We don't want to hear the name Jesus ever again out of your mouths. And this is Peter and John's response. It says in verse 19 of chapter 4, But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. Verse 20, here it is. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. It says, no, man. You're telling me to not talk about Christ? It's impossible. They say, we can't help but speak about what we have seen and heard this man do. How dare you tell us to be quiet? Proclaim. Proclaim eternal life. Do you feel that way? Is Jesus such a part of your life that all you do is talk about Christ? As the saying goes, when you get cut, do you bleed Jesus? The disciples couldn't help but speak and proclaim Christ. John goes on now as we come back to verse 3 and repeats himself again, really bringing to an emphasis, you can see through this, of what he has experienced. That which you have seen, heard, and we proclaim to you. John is going to now mention two points of application of this life that Jesus brings and that they were eyewitnesses to. This is what he says. He says, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. In the Old Testament, remember, God dwelt with his people, but he dwelt with them in, in the tabernacle and, and later on in the temple. And once a year, only one person could go into God's presence. That required also a sacrifice. But God through this Christmas message, has now made his dwelling among all men with his son, Jesus Christ. John 1.14 says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The awesome thing is that word dwelt in verse 14 is meant to take us back to the Old Testament wilderness and the wanderings of Israel where God dwelt with his people in a tabernacle. Now, in Jesus he has tabernacled with us. God pitched his tent and lived among us for 33 years so that we could have fellowship with him 
and that he would bring unity to us and in fellowship with one another. It's a fellowship, it's a unity that crosses all borders, all races, all ages, and all social classes. This is what Paul would write about when he says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, nor male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So Jesus brings us a fellowship with one another. Uh, but John mentions one more thing. He mentions joy. The, the life of Christ brings fellowship and joy. And, and this hits two of the biggest needs that we have in life. Think about it. This reaches our social and emotional life. We have fellowship, which is social with one another. And then we have joy, which brings us to our emotions. All those complete in Christ. What can bring more joy than the eternal life that is offered in Christ Jesus? Lives that were lost in sin. But Jesus manifested himself. He revealed himself in human flesh and now wants us to be a part of that life. Not a life of pain and suffering. Instead, a life that brings joy. And think back to what John heard Jesus teach. He heard him teach this. In John 15, he talks about abiding in Christ, following the commands. Why? So that our joy may be full. So that our joy may be complete. Now, I, I don't pretend to know where everybody is in their lives. And sometimes holidays can bring loneliness, sorrow, and sadness. But let me tell you something. God sent his son so that you wouldn't feel lonely, so that you wouldn't feel sorrowful. Instead, he sent his son so that you would have fellowship and joy in life. If you feel lonely, connect with God. Understand what Christ has done for us. But not only connect with him, connect with other believers. It's in our name, right? Faith, Fellowship, Church. Connect with God and his people and realize then the joy that he brings. Does it mean life is perfect? No. And I don't think there's any believer who will tell you that their life is perfect. But there is a joy that comes that surpasses everything else in this life. The Christian artist, Steve Kabuchi, Kabuchi, puts it this way. What is true joy or hope? Where can it be found? Is it a promise of golden streets? Is it in escaping the fires of hell? No. All things are worthless in the view of the surpassing value of simply knowing God and being known by him. Oh, that I may know him, to one day see the Savior who purchased my life by his very own blood, to see the King who suffered to die for a sinner like me. Isn't that powerful? Oh, that I may know the joy of Christ. John walked with Christ, he heard Christ, and he touched Christ. And you know what? There will be a time when we do as well. We will walk with him in glory. We will hear him forever in glory, forever with our Savior. But until then, we have these words. We have these words from who were eyewitnesses to him. Eyewitnesses that bring us joy and fellowship in Christ. 
It's an amazing message that John has for us in this opening to his letter. We have seen him describe the life that he witnessed in Christ Jesus, a life that John testifies about, that he proclaims. It's these words of eternal life. And we too are to testify and proclaim to the same words. It's a life that brings joy and fellowship into our lives. And church, as we turn the page to 2023, we're going to begin a preaching series looking at the life of Christ. And maybe you face many of the questions and doubts about who Jesus is. And that's okay. We're going to see in the Gospels people who doubted and questioned Jesus just like many do today. Take this journey with us as we study the words of those who were eyewitnesses to his life, what he did and what he said, and see the life that brings fellowship and joy to our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to hear these words of John, to hear the words that he testifies and proclaims, Lord the things that he saw, the things that he heard, and the things that he touched in your life, Lord. Lord, help us to testify. Help us to proclaim. Help us to not stay silent about what we have experienced with Christ. Lord, thank you for this Christmas day, a day to celebrate Jesus coming into this world to save sinners. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you now to join us in one last song as we come together as a church and we sing Silent Night together. Faith Fellowship, God bless, and I'll see you all next week in 2023.